Section 3 of Ontario Public School Geography. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Ontario Public School Geography by the Ontario Department of Education. Section 3. Men who live by lumbering and mining. The Lumberman. Trees provide the Indian with fuel for heat and for cooking. We are not so dependent upon trees for fuel. We value them chiefly because they provide us with good material for making useful things. All trees do not yield the same quality of timber. Pine is much softer and more easily worked than oak, but it withstands the weather much better. Hemlock is much more open-grained than pine, and so splinters more easily. Yet all have certain uses to which they are especially well suited. Tough hickory and ash make excellent hammer and axe handles. Oak, so hard and with so beautiful a grain, is one of the woods most used in furniture-making. Pine, hemlock, and spruce are used a great deal in building. The wood of certain trees, such as spruce and poplar, is ground up into pulp to make paper. Much of Canada is covered with large forests of these useful trees. Many men are employed in the Canadian woods, felling trees, cutting them into logs, and transporting them to sawmills, where they are sawn into lumber. Toward the end of August, the advance parties of the lumbermen make their way into the woods. Each party goes to the section in which it is to work. The men build a camp, bring in the winter's supply of wood, and make rough roads through the forest to the river. As soon as these preliminary tasks are finished, more men come to the camp, and the work of felling the trees begins. One man goes through the forest and blazes the trees which are to be felled, that is, he cuts off some of the bark. The axemen follow. They chop a deep niche into the trunk upon the side toward which they wish the tree to fall. Then come the sawyers. Their keen, two-handled saw bites deep into the tree with every stroke. At last, only a few fibers hold the tree upright. As it begins to sway, these fibers are torn loose, and the tree crashes to the ground. The limbs are trimmed off and piled in brush heaps. The trunk is sawn into proper lengths, and the logs are ready to be moved from the woods. As soon as there is a keen, steady frost, the roads are prepared for moving the logs. The snow makes a good roadbed, and if it is lacking, the men sprinkle water over the roads until their surface is a smooth, solid sheet of ice. The teams haul great loads of logs over the smooth ice. The big sleighs upon which the logs are loaded are called bunks. The logs are hauled out upon the frozen river and piled upon the ice. Sometimes the river is too narrow to hold all the timber. Then the banks, too, are piled high with logs. Each log is stamped with the mark of the company to which it belongs. When the ice breaks up in the spring, the current sweeps the logs downstream. The rivermen are careful that none are caught on snags or stones. In this way, the logs are brought from the forest to the mill much more cheaply than if they had to be hauled by rail. At last, the logs reach their destination, which is usually some town where there are sawmills built beside the river. 
a boom made of heavy logs chained together end to end is stretched across the river the logs gather behind this they are then sorted according to their marks and taken to the mills of the company to which they belong big saws there rip them into lumber in british columbia lumbering is carried on somewhat differently the country is very mountainous and the trees are very large the logs when cut often weigh from ten to fifteen tons each frequently they are loaded on flat cars by means of machinery and taken direct to the mill or to the seacoast where they are formed into huge rafts ontario is but one of the many places in the world where lumbering is carried on in quebec new brunswick and british columbia it is a very important industry great quantities of timber are cut yearly in the united states in norway and in sweden the most useful kinds of timber grow in the northern forests the trees of the great tropical forests such as are found in africa and central and south america provide some useful timber particularly for the purposes for which an extremely hard wood is required teak and mahogany are the two most valuable of the tropical trees the miners of all the metals that man uses such as iron nickel gold and many others iron is the most useful we see so much of both wood and iron that we are apt to overlook their great value just because they are so common the eskimo who cannot find either in his country looks upon them as the greatest treasures which he can possess iron is usually found combined with other substances the process of obtaining pure iron from the ore in which it is contained is called smelting for this great heat is required civilized man requires a very great quantity of iron he uses it for making machinery of all kinds for building great factories for rails for bridges for tools for nails and screws and for hundreds of other purposes indeed if the supply of iron were suddenly cut off from the world our mode of living would soon become entirely different mention some of the changes that would take place fortunately for us the world's supply of iron is very great africa contains billions of tons of it there are enormous deposits in england france sweden and central europe it is found in many parts of north america the submarine beds of iron ore in newfoundland are among the largest in the world on our own continent one of the most important deposits of iron lies just south and west of lake superior the ground slopes up from the lake and forms five little ranges of mountains these are so rich in iron ore that it is scarcely an exaggeration to say that they are mountains of iron this district is dotted with mines in which thousands of men are employed iron ore is also mined in the district north of lake superior the entrance to the mine is usually a long sloping tunnel driven into the hillside far within the miners are working they use large steel drills driven by compressed air to bore deep holes in the brown rocky ore then sticks of dynamite are placed in the holes and exploded each blast loosens tons of ore and breaks it up into pieces large and small the miners load the broken ore into little steel cars run by electricity 
the cars are hauled to the lake shore over the special lines of track built for them often the whole distance from the mine to the lake is downhill and the cars run down without using any power at all the tracks are extended far out over the water on great steel trestles big pockets or bins are built under the trestles into these bins the cars empty their loads of ore the trestles and bins are so high over the water that the ore steamers can sail right underneath them when a ship is to be loaded it is brought beneath one of the bins a trap door in the bottom of the bin is opened and the ore drops into a chute which carries it into the vessel's hold a big freighter can be loaded in this way very quickly hundreds of thousands of tons of ore are shipped down the great lakes in large ore steamers to hamilton buffalo and other cities of canada and the united states coal is another mineral of which civilized men need and use a great deal it is used for fuel to heat our homes it provides us with steam power by which much of our machinery is driven iron ore would be almost useless to us unless we had coal with which to smelt it on our own continent hundreds of thousands of men are engaged in mining and distributing coal in canada we mine practically no hard or anthracite coal nearly all our coal being soft or bituminous our own country is now one of the great gold producing countries of the world one of our largest mines has yielded gold to the value of one hundred sixty million dollars since the first shaft was sunk mining on a large scale is very costly the machinery is expensive mineral land is very valuable therefore mines are seldom owned by an individual usually many men form a company and contribute money to buy land and machinery since a company can afford to purchase plenty of machinery and equipment the miners can get out a great deal more ore or coal than if they were working with no tools but pick and shovel end of chapter three